Lord, you reminded Jerusalem how often you wanted to gather them together. As a hen protects her young beneath her wings. But Jerusalem wouldn't let you. Am I any different? Your own children killed your prophets. They stoned your messengers. Can I claim any innocence? Your word is my light. But how often do I choose the darkness instead? You are my salvation. But how often do I choose rebellion? Forgive me, Lord. You are my fortress. I seek to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Delighting in you, Lord. Meditating on your word, Lord. Be merciful and answer me, Lord. Do not turn your back. Do not reject me in anger. You are my helper. Don't leave me now. Don't abandon me, Lord. Hold me close. Teach me how to live. Amen. Amen. Well, for Christian churches throughout the world today, uh, today begins our holiest week of the year all across the world. And it's known, today is known as Palm Sunday, and it com commemorates one of the few events in the life of Jesus that is actually recorded in all four of the Gospels. Uh, the triumphal entry, it is called, an entry that was celebrated by a ruckus <laughs> and warm welcome and a lot of waving branches. Uh, in Israel today, churches still reenact the journey from the Mount of Olives to Jerusalem, the route that was likely taken by Jesus that Sunday before he was crucified. Now, we didn't this morning, but sometimes we've handed out you know, palm branches to the kids and we have them come in here and we, we parade them around and, and, and I, I don't know, I, I'm not a parade kind of guy, I guess. Uh, we haven't done that in, in a while. Um, and I read something this week that, that made me think about that even more. The fact that the primary symbol for this day, which, which is a palm branch, was not chosen by Jesus, it was actually chosen by the people. Um, John writes in John 12, verse 13, they took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna, blessed is the king of Israel. Now, why did the crowd choose palm branches? Now, maybe it was because they were, there were lots of them around and they were laying on the ground and that's, that's what they chose. Or maybe there's actually a deeper reason. History tells us that those plants were symbolically linked to military victories and messiahship. A generation before Jesus, okay, when Simon Maccabee drove Israel's enemies out of Jerusalem, People celebrated by waving palm branches. Uh, it's recorded in history that on the 23rd day of the second month in the 171st year, the Jews entered it with praise and palm branches and with harps and cymbals and stringed instruments and with hymns and songs because a great enemy had been crushed and removed from Israel. The Testament of, of Naphtali, another book written by Jews of that period, 
also discusses palm branches in the context of messianic expectation. So when Jesus entered Jerusalem, people used them to interpret his identity. He was another Simon Maccabee, a long-hoped-for king who would drive the Roman Gentiles out of their city. And so they welcomed him with open arms. All the Gospels are clear that Jesus chose a much different symbol. A way for his people to make sense of his kingship. Uh, But it was a young donkey, not a palm branch. John rightly sees the donkey as Jesus intended. It was the fulfillment of Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9, which says, Rejoice greatly, daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly, and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Jesus picked a symbol that was not one of power and victory and military strength, but it was one that emphasized humility and lowliness. That fact should inform how we celebrate and remember Jesus' entry into Jerusalem. Maybe we should find a donkey and lead it in and out of our sanctuary every Palm Sunday. Um, Not real practical, I guess. Uh, but, But we can spend Palm Sunday reflecting on what it means to follow a king who rejected the way of violence, who ultimately rejected a stand of power fully within his capability. Um, When we consider the fact that Jesus came not to be served, but to serve, when we consider the command to live like Christ and the resurrection of Jesus, we are in an appropriate place in the book of Hebrews. Uh, If you would turn to Hebrews chapter 13, it's the last chapter. We have one one more weekend in Hebrews. It'll be next week, Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, and next week we're going to return to a chapter that we didn't uh, begin, actually, chapter 10, verses 1 through 18. We're going to do that next week, but this morning we're going to conclude the, with, with chapter 13. Jesus, our Savior and Messiah. Jesus, our Creator and Rescuer. Jesus, our Judge and gracious forgiver. In chapter 13, we see the preacher wrap up his sermon and his letter. Over and over and over throughout this book as we've studied it, um, it's been out with the old and in with the new. It's been this is the way God did it before and this is what he's doing now. Don't return to the old just because the new is getting troublesome and hard for you. Stick with it. Um, We have learned that the old is not adequate any longer. It has gone. It has been fulfilled. The the priesthood, the kings, the prophets have all been fulfilled and replaced with what? Replaced with who? Jesus Christ. Jesus is our Melchizedek. Jesus is both our high priest and our king. He is our ruler and our teacher. He directs us and he trains us. And because of our brokenness, because of our disobedience and our sin, he is also our great shepherd. The one who laid down his very own perfect divine and human life for us. By the sacrifice of the innocent and perfect, the guilty and imperfect, 
have been made right. We've been reconciled to our creator and judge because of his death and resurrection. And that is exactly what we are celebrating this week. Now, there's some weather coming. And um, people keep asking me, haven't you stopped praying for snow yet? Um, And and I kind of led on to this a couple weeks ago. I'm praying for moisture. We need it. And you know what? I mean, I kind of feel like beggars can't be choosers. And, you know, I'll smile when it snows, yes. However, I'm kind of tired of it as well. I, I'm ready to sit on the deck and drink coffee in the morning, um, you know, and not have to worry about snow and single-digit temperatures. Ugh. But I was visiting with somebody yesterday, and can you, some of you may remember this, well, probably not anybody in this room, but imagine yourself in the early 1800s living in the West. And, you know, we complain about, we complain and complain and complain about weathermen and women all the time. They don't know what they're talking about. They're always wrong. I wish I could have a job where I was wrong nine out of ten times every day of the week and still keep my job. You know, things like that. But could you imagine living in a time when we didn't have weathermen and women who told us that it's it's likely this is coming? So, you know, um, today it's beautiful outside. It's going to be it's going to be warmish. And, and, you know, one might be one might be tempted to wander away, you know, out into the back 40 on his horse. And spend the night because it's such a beautiful day and you wake up in the morning and all of a sudden you're fighting for your life because there's a storm here. We, we get advanced warning now about the possibility of things. And whether they're right or wrong, I, you know, I, I get that. And, and this is one of those where there's like a fine edge. The report I looked at this morning, like within five miles, it could be 14 inches over here and three over here within five miles. The edge is going to be. So who knows? I mean, I'm kind of hoping for the 14 plus. Um, just imagine how much moisture is going to be in that. Seriously. Um, that's what scripture often is for us. It's, it's, a, it's a warning. It's a gift. And sometimes we like to say, I don't want to hear that. I don't like it. It, it. it wants me to change and I don't want to do that. I want to do whatever I want to, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But, but this is a huge gift that we have right here. The the warnings that we have, the cautions. Hey, don't do this and don't do this and do that. That's not kind of like Bob said, Jesus wasn't on the cross just to see himself there. We don't have scripture just because God wants to say things and he wants to, you know, rule over our lives. The things that he's talking about today literally breathe life into into our relationships, into our everyday life when we submit ourselves to what the word of God says. And, and I've tried to, to take a positive look on this, and, and we're going to see four, four evidences of our faith. And we, we've talked about how the fact that, that our faith is one of those things that when we observe somebody else's actions and the decisions that they make, we can, we can oftentimes come to a conclusion as to whether they have genuine belief or not. And, and that's been covered all throughout Uh, the book of Hebrews, and it is once again here today. Um, We have reminders here this morning, actions, uh, evidences 
um, and encouragements as the writer closes. And he, he, he almost closes like he's got one little half page left and he's got to fit a whole bunch of stuff in. Because um, there is a lot here. Uh, and, and we're going to try and get through it here this morning. Uh, look at verse 1. Keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by so doing, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. Continue to remember those in prison as if you were together with them in prison, and those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. Marriage should be honored by all, and the marriage bed kept pure, for God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? And evidence of our genuine faith is that we will enjoy spiritual fellowship with one another. Enjoying spiritual fellowship is an evidence of the actions that I have in my life that I have genuine faith. Keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. That doesn't mean that we never disagree. That, that doesn't mean that conflict will never become a part of that. But, but that when we do disagree uh, in those times, that we work through those things like a family would. Uh, because that is what we are. Every last one of us in this room is to grow in loving one another. And that can be hard. Verse 2, don't forget to show hospitality to all your good friends and family and the people you love. It's not what it says, right? But because that's the easy thing to do sometimes. Sometimes that's even a struggle. No, it says hospitality. Hospitality means to entertain. For all of you youngsters, you know, that's weird to you. But to a lot of older people, you know, when you say you're going to entertain people, it means that you're going to invite them over to your house and you're not going to do a little dance and, you know, um, do magic tricks. You're, you're going you're gonna to you're gonna fellowship. And it's... It's inviting others over to join us for lunch or supper. It's opening our homes to care for people that are in need. And the, the preacher says, strangers. Strangers, people that it might be difficult to do that. Or people who you, they're not your children. They're not your spouse. They're not your relative. They're not your best friend. Strangers were to reach out to others, even people not like us. Maybe they're a different color or they're from a different socioeconomic group. Maybe they're, they're orphans and, and widows. They, they smell differently than we do. And he goes on to say, continue to remember those in prison as if you were in prison yourself. What does he mean by that? I think what he means is, if I were the one in prison, how would I want people to, to treat me, that's how then we're to treat people that are in prison. Continue to remember those in prison as if you were in prison. Pray for them, help them, serve them. Romans 12, 13 says, share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. I mean, you got to at least start there. I mean, this is Christ-like 
This is Christ-likeness stuff. Care for those who are, are mistreated. Show hospitality to them as well. Welcome them, support them, care for them. Sometimes that just means being willing to sit with them at lunch. I mean, that's the first place my mind goes to whenever I think about being nice to, to people who are outcasts is the, the high school or middle school cafeteria and that kid sitting by themselves because nobody wants to talk to them. Because they're different or, or they, you know, they're, they're socially awkward or, or they're really smart. What would that look like for us adults? Because we know people like that. We know people who, who they're alone. And, and aloneness is not good. You know, God said at the very beginning, it's not good for, for man to be alone. It's aloneness is not good. Now, we're going to see in a couple weeks when we start this new series on marriage and relationships, and if you're not married or in a relationship, don't think that you can just check out that week and not come for four weeks. Because we're all in relationships. And it all applies. Anybody come to mind in this moment right now as I say and talk about people who are lonely? I would encourage you to reach out to them. Take out your phone right now. Send them a text message. Hey, man, I don't know why, but you just came to mind, and I just wanted to check in on you and see how you're doing. Is there something I can pray for you about or... You know, oftentimes when I do that, somebody comes to mind and I call them time and time again, literally in that moment, they were experiencing some struggle that they needed encouraged by or from. The Holy Spirit knows what he's doing. We just need to listen. Maybe you need to swallow your pride and apologize for something. You know, loving one another as brothers and sisters can be hard. You know, especially when we, when we think we've been wronged, whether we have or haven't, whether that's legitimate or not. We are called to forgive one another. We are called to work these things out. And oftentimes, we just have to take a deep breath and say, God, I need your help in doing this. I know this is what you want me to do. It, it's just super hard in this moment. I need your help Show hospitality to strangers. Take the time to show concern for prisoners and those who are mistreated or who are suffering. I mean, we've all been in places like those, right? Where, where we, we're feeling alone and we wish somebody would reach out to us and encourage us. Often, oftentimes, our response to that is to snap back at people like that. And then it doesn't accomplish what... It doesn't make us really feel that good and it doesn't help the situation... How, did, how do we want people to treat us? That is spiritual fellowship. As, as we walk with Jesus, he will direct us towards those evidences. Marriage, verse 4, should be honored by all and the marriage bed kept pure for God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. I mean, wow, that's loaded. We could spend several weeks just on that verse as well. Guard your homes. Um, honor your husband. Husband, honor your wife. And if you don't know how, look into God's word. This marriage thing would be great if you're married to come to. Um, in fact, I, I was just thinking, I know Brandon said that, uh, you know, if, if you're sitting here this morning and, and you're thinking, man, my wife and I would really love to go to that, but we just don't have the money. Well, you know what? Sign up. I'll pay for it. 
I will cover it. It's, it's important. It's necessary. You know, if you keep saying, well, one, one of these days I'll take the car in and have the oil changed. Someday, someday I'll, I'll take it in. Someday we'll get it in and, and, you know, get that bearing fixed or whatever. You know, there's going to come a day, if you put that off long enough, that car's going to leave you sitting. And that happens in our marriages too. We, we got to keep working on them. We, we got we to kick the tires and check the oil and put a little air in the low tires. And and, and here's one. Um, maybe, maybe you're sitting here thinking, but, but Pastor Dave, you don't know how, how I'm being treated. You know, that's absolutely true. I don't. I don't. And, and there, there, there can be hard decisions that have to be made, but oftentimes I think we, we make those too quickly and too easily. And, 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 and what I want you to hear this morning is, is I, I don't want you to point your finger at the other person. I want you to point the finger at yourself and just ask God, what is it in my life that you want me to submit to you? Right here in this moment, um, Husbands, do you, do you talk bad about your wife or your kids in front of others? That's not right. you you got to stop. And if you can't, you need to figure out a way to be able to do that. That's not honoring to your wife. That's not loving to your wife. Seek forgiveness from both God and your spouse, and then take steps to grow in that area. Maybe, maybe you're here this morning, and you're tired, and you feel like you've been doing all the work. The enemy will will use that. He will use that. And he'll convince you that all is lost when most likely all is not. See Christ and what he wants from you. Listen to him and then take action. And the marriage bed kept pure. God takes sexual immorality very seriously. We have become so comfortable with that in our culture today. We see it everywhere, everywhere. No matter what justification or reason that you think sex outside of marriage or, or adultery is okay, um, it is not. It, that is, it's wrong. And if you disagree with this, you're not disagreeing with me. Um, take it up with God. And, and you know he's right. Sexual immorality, sex outside of marriage, it burns down lives and it burns down families. These are warnings that we need to hear. And when we choose sin, it, no matter what it is, it distances us from the spiritual fellowship because we're uncomfortable being there because we're being convicted by the Holy Spirit. And, and, in, and, and it, in, it destroys the joy that God wants to give us in our life. 1 Corinthians 6.18 says, flee from sexual immorality. Flee from it. Run away from it. All other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Enjoying spiritual fellowship is also destroyed when we don't keep a right relationship with material things. Greed, love of money, not practicing contentment in our daily life. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? Manon did a great job of, of 
speaking to that this morning. And at every turn, the enemy will try to use our sense of entitlement and and our selfishness against us. And we need to recognize him for what he is, and that's a liar. Surrendered to Jesus is the best place to be. Like Manon said, it's not necessarily the safest, but it's the best place to be. The improper value and priority of things in our lives just get in the way of our relationship with him. Jesus will take care of us. We just anchor ourselves to him, trust his word, obey his word, even when we're criticized or ridiculed for doing that. It just makes me angry when I read things in the news in the last week from people who who honestly don't know any better. And it shouldn't make me angry. What it should do is break my heart for those people because there are people who have said publicly, you know, well-known people, um, things like, well, I guess you didn't pray enough in referring to this Christian school. Thoughts and prayers. Oh yeah, how did that work for you? They don't understand. They, they don't understand. Every turn, the enemy's going to attack us. We can obey his word, even when we're criticized or ridiculed. We can, what can mere mortals do to us? Kill us? Yeah. Yes. That's, in, in our minds, that's sort of the worst thing. But is it really the worst thing? As a follower of Jesus Christ child of God, a child of the King. Enjoying spiritual fellowship is evidence of our faith. A second evidence is when we submit to spiritual leadership. Submitting to spiritual leadership. Remember, verse 7, your leaders who spoke the word of God to you, consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus, that's why we have chapter 11. Imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Do not be carried away by all kinds of strange teachings. None of those out there today. It is good for our hearts to be strengthened by grace, not by eating ceremonial foods, which is of no benefit to those who do so. Verse 17, have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Do this so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no benefit to you. And verse 24, greet all your leaders and all the Lord's people. Those from Italy send you their greeters. I I think the qualifier in all of this is verse 17. and And I hope that I'm interpreting this correctly because it says they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. That, to me, says those people who are our spiritual leaders uh, are, are extra accountable to God for other people. So it is important as those who are leaders are doing the, the diligent work of, of discipleship and, and, and relationship with Jesus Christ and submitting their own lives and their own families to the word of God so that then they have been placed in a place where they can, can lead other people, albeit imperfectly because we're all human beings. We all make mistakes. We all fail. And there may be times when a leader themselves needs to be corrected I'm not saying that, that, that we should just willy-nilly throw in with, you know, everything somebody says. I would say don't do that even with me because there are times I, 
can be wrong. I pray not, and I try not to be. But it it can happen. Uh, The important thing is that our leaders are leading with authenticity and genuineness. They're not lording it over other people. They're serving the church and and the faith community and, and trying to help us all walk on this journey of life that is the relationship with Jesus Christ. And as leaders, we have to continue to submit to the authority of Scripture and help others do the same. I mean, so that we don't get carried away by all kinds of strange teachings, and and you can find those. With a couple clicks on your phone, boy, that's something my grandma never, ever said, right? We must be careful to remain true to the Word of God, not true to how we feel about the Word of God. Um, and, and he says, consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. So that's kind of where the, some of that inspection judgment comes. You know, how, what, what does this person's life look like? Chapter 11, what, what did their lives look like in the end? Where, you know, where was their faith, etc.? And, and we need leaders who will do the same. I have considered the outcome of my dad's life, and I want to imitate his faith. And I have seen others do the same. I have a good friend, and I didn't grab the text messages, but a good friend who went to my dad's funeral and didn't really know my dad, knew of my dad, and, and he, he told me via text message, I'm going to take this this thing, this uh, program from your dad's service, I'm going to put it in my desk drawer. And every once in a while, I'm going to take that out as a reminder to live a life of faith. Jesus is the same yesterday and today and forever. We need to remember them and obey them, listen to them, greet them, respect and honor them, celebrate them and thank them. Hold them in the highest regard, Paul said in Thessalonians uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 12 and 13. Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord, and who admonish you. Oh, we don't like, I don't like it. I don't like to be admonished. Um, I want to bristle up and, and defend myself. Hold them in the highest regard in love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. Leaders and followers alike, and and I believe every one of us is in both of those positions at some time in our life. Our faith will show as we submit to spiritual leadership. Enjoying spiritual fellowship, submit to spiritual leadership, and a third evidence is sharing in spiritual worship. Verse 10, we have an altar from which those who minister at the tabernacle have no right to eat. The high priest carries the blood of animals into the most holy place as a sin offering, but the bodies are burned outside the camp. And so Jesus also suffered outside the city gate to make the people holy through his own blood. Let us then go to him outside the camp, bearing the disgrace he bore. For here we do not have an enduring city, but we are looking for the city that is to come. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name. And do not forget to do good and to share with others, for with such sacrifices, God is pleased. Out with the old, in with the new. The Holy of Holies is gone. 
doesn't exist anymore. Well, it's present. It, it still exists, but it's here. Our access to Jesus Christ. We no longer have a physical altar where the shedding of animal blood has to take place. No, it is through Jesus Christ that we worship now. That we, that we offer a sacrifice of praise, of worship. First Peter 2, 4, and 5 says, As you come to him, the living stone, talking about Jesus, rejected by humans, but chosen, chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And worship comes out of our posture before God. The things that we say, the things that we do, um, professing the name of Jesus, bearing witness to him and what he has done in our life. Sharing in spiritual worship, gathering together as the congregation, doing good and sharing with others, all things covered under point one and two. Those are sacrifices that are pleasing to God. Those are our spiritual acts of worship. The preacher here is separating dead religion from identification with the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to identify with Jesus Christ. He is our Savior, our Messiah, our King, our, our High Priest. Not rites and rituals. Not trying to earn it and get there ourselves. But in relationship with Jesus. The preacher says, faith in Christ is an active, living, and breathing, everyday relationship. Why stay in Jerusalem and a part of the old ways when it has been done away with, he says. Go out to Jesus. Surrender to him. Take your sin out to the trash heap that is Golgotha and lay your sin and brokenness down at the foot of the cross. Pray for us, he says, verse 18. We are sure that we have a clear conscience and desire to live honorably in every way. I particularly urge you to pray so that I may be restored to you soon. Prayer is another way that we share in spiritual worship. It's, it's crying out um, on behalf of other people and their hurts and struggles and needs. Prayer unifies us with, with the heart of God. He speaks into our life as we, as we uh, listen to him, as we sit before him in prayer. And it's okay to ask on behalf of other people too. The preacher urges his audience to pray for him. Pray for me. He's longing himself for the fellowship and spiritual togetherness of the congregation. Enjoying spiritual fellowship, submission to spiritual leadership, sharing in spiritual worship, and finally, a fourth evidence is experiencing spiritual lordship. Verse 20, now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead, our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. We're reminded one final time in Hebrews that Jesus is our great and good shepherd. Jesus is our savior and we receive all that comes with that. John 10, verse 11, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. In that moment, they didn't know what he meant, but later and now we do. Literally, he laid down his life for the sheep. 1 Peter 5, 4, and when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. It's a forever thing. He is our great high priest. 
1 John 2, 28 through 3, 3. I'm not going to read that, but you can write it down. As children of God, Jesus equips us to be able to live the life that he calls us to. But how? Well, as I reflect back on the previous three evidences, all of the above, all the above, he uses his word in 2 Timothy 3, 3, 16 and 17. We see that all scripture is God breathed. And so we circle back God's word. At the very beginning of Hebrews, he said, don't neglect reading God's word. Don't, don't grow cold to the word of God. Submit to it. Submit to its authority because it is God's word. It teaches us. It judges us. It corrects us. It trains us in righteousness so that as we serve God, we live out acts of spiritual worship and, and we're equipped for every good work. We're armored up. Prayer is another way that God equips us. 1 Thessalonians 3.10, night and day we pray most earnestly that we may see you again and supply what is lacking in your faith. If you lack faith, if, you, if you're struggling with belief, pray. Fellowship is in the local church is another way that God equips us. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the prayer, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Other people around us also equip and mend us like iron sharpening iron. And sometimes there's sparks. But we can't give up. We got to keep working through that. Galatians 6.1, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves or you also may be tempted. And finally, he uses suffering. 1 Peter 5.10, and the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ after you have suffered a little while will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. I mean, how many times have you seen a picture of somebody all sweaty and gnarly? You know, I, you know women always post pictures. That it's like, no makeup, blah, blah, sweat. You know, I stink. I've worked out. You know, they've been in the gym and they've worked really hard. They have... They have suffered. Our bodies literally suffer when, when we work out. But it's for our good. That sacrifice of time and pain and energy benefits us. Sometimes it takes time for that to benefit us. And sometimes we give up because we're like, well, it's not working. You know, I went to the gym the other day and I didn't lose 10 pounds, so I'm not going to do that again. And we also thank God continually because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, spiritual leaders, you accepted it not as a human word, but as it actually is, the word of God, which is indeed at work in you who believe. Let's continue to submit and surrender to the word of God. You know, the, the total impact of Hebrews answers the important question of how can I stand firm in a world that's falling, falling apart around me? You know, and the answer to that is we need to know the one who is greater than everything. Jesus. 
Jesus is the greatest. Jesus is superior. So we, we trust his superior priesthood. We live by the superior principle of faith and we build our lives on the things of heaven that will never shake because Jesus Christ saves completely. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for our time together today and uh, thank you for, uh, for how you have worked in our hearts and our minds throughout the book of Hebrews in different ways a little bit here, a little bit there, maybe a big aha here. Maybe today wasn't a big, a big aha for someone, but it was for someone else. Father, thank you for how your Holy Spirit works in and through us. And I, pr- I pray, Father, that, that you would help each and every one of us to, to, to lay down our rights, to turn away from the temptations and the lies that the enemy is pitching our way, and to submit and surrender to you, to lay our lives at the foot of the cross, and to trust you to guide us and direct us in the way that, we, that, that you would have us go, with the confidence that that is the best. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's close with this final song.